You're listening to another New Hope Chapel podcast. This message is from our series on life in the body, presented by Steve Coleman, elder and member of New Hope Chapel's teaching team. You know, I'm sure you remember the old joke. Uh, The man is in the doctor's office, getting his broken arm, wrapped up in a cast, and he says, Doctor, when I get this cast off, will I be able to play the violin again? The doctor says, well, yes, certainly. And the patient says, well, that's great, because I've never played the violin before. (laughs) You know, over the last five weeks, we've talked about aspects of life in the body, and we've talked about areas of attitude, like humility and love and bearing one another's burdens, thinking about others, not just ourselves. We have um, also spent time learning the importance of forgiveness and speaking the truth in love, challenging skills to um, incorporate and, and make natural in our lives. But we've learned about that. We've learned how to do that. We now have these principles in mind. We've fixed our broken arms. We are no longer held hostage to attitudes that can cause dysfunction in a community like this. The cast is off. The body's free to function, to play that violin. But what do we do now? In this last message, uh, we felt that we wanted to make sure that we had a message that talked about, okay, we... The body, we've talked about all the things that make the body and its relationships sound and healthy and work. Um, And we just want to make sure we had one message that sort of, you know, pushed the ship off from the shore and got it sailing. Right. So I'm going to talk about a couple of things that we can do to start playing the violin, if you will. Now, these aren't the top two things. Uh, These aren't the two most important things. Uh, at least in most people's books, there are a couple of things that are critical, in my view. There's lots of things we could talk about. The whole New Testament is talking about that, how we go on as healthy Christians and impact the world, uh, affect the body, and uh, grow ourselves into the likeness of Christ. But we're going to talk about two. The first one we're going to talk about is use our spiritual gifts. Now, you you may not hear anything earth-shattering this morning. These are things you know about. But let's talk about them anyway. You know, we've probably talked about spiritual gifts in the not-too-distant past. I know when we get to Romans 12, that subject comes up again, so we'll hear a little bit then. But this is not the time, nor will Romans 12 be the time, to really do a full kind of workshop on gifts and kind of dive into that and, and sort that all out. I'm just going to focus in on some observations connected with gifts and us uh, operating in our gift. uh, 1 Corinthians 12 has an important principle. And it says, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just where he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and one body. It's a lot built into that. But essentially it's saying, you are here because you have a uniqueness. And I like to think of that in terms of a unique combination of personality, of talents, 
you know, things you do well, like play the violin or play these instruments that our worship team does or good with math or something. A, a spiritual gift, and then you've got like a history, a past, uh, things, the good baggage that we carry around with us. And, and all those together make you unique. Nobody else in this body has that same combination of things. And it says God's placed you here. God's placed you here to work. God's placed you here so that the body has all the inputs that it needs. Here's a list of gifts. It's just one of the four lists that you find in the New Testament. This one is from Romans 12. I picked this one because the passage in Romans 12, the emphasis of that passage, is talking about our responsibility to develop our gift. Also, as I look at that gift, I'm struck by the fact that these are not jobs in the church. So what I'm saying, we want you to use your gifts. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to come around and say, okay, will you be treasurer? We're, we need more nursery helpers. This is not about doing the tasks at New Hope Chapel. Those tasks need to be done, and we hope that people will participate in them. And they are a great venue for utilizing spiritual gifts. But spiritual gifts are just that. They have spiritual outcomes. And, and that's the part of it I wanted to emphasize today. You know, if you look at New Hope Chapel as an organization, that's when you start thinking about tasks. We need to be emphasizing in our minds now, thinking about New Hope Chapel as the local expression of the body of Christ, but in, an, in, the, in the sense of it being an organism. We're, we're a living body, a living portion of the body of Christ that on a spiritual plane, we just like our physical bodies, the cells uh, do their jobs, they're, they're, they're fed by the oxygen that comes in from the lungs, you know, the hands bring food to the mouth, all those kinds of metaphors that come into play. And that's what happens spiritually with us. So I'm talking about you growing as a Christian, noticing where God seems to be using you to bless others or to impact other people's lives. As you read the scripture, as you obey God, as you pray, as you work out how to best pursue righteous thinking and living. It's not necessarily a quick and easy determination. That's okay. Follow God and he will use you. He'll take what you do, what you say, uh, how you act, and use that for his glory. Use that to help build the body. I'm just saying keep an eye as the years go on to see the areas that the Lord seems to be uh, particularly uh, blessing that work that you do or the feedback you get from others. And then start saying, well, I need to hone that. That's really how I impact this body. Well, um, you know, the other thing I notice up here is, and I use service as an example, some, some of these gifts, and most of them on this list, certainly, are things we're all supposed to be doing. Why would someone have a gift like service? Have you ever wondered that? My first thought, which usually is wrong, is that at the fellowship luncheon, 
that we, we find the three people that have the gift of service. And at the fellowship luncheon, we all can sit back and we can say, oh, don't worry about this stuff. We have three people that are servants and they'll come and take all this away and clean up after us. But I don't think that's what's intended at all. Why would somebody have the gift of service? Well, the key is that spiritual gifts produce spiritual fruits. The goal of the gift of service is not to get all of the uh, material in the trash or in the recycle bin. What is the goal of that gift? People with a gift like that exercise it, and by exercising it, they do so in such a way that it demonstrates and motivates to the rest motivates the rest of us to serve and to do what we're supposed to do. Let me give you an example. And I don't want to embarrass Carl, but here's a guy. Not possible. Not possible then I'm, I'm free. I'm free. I got carte blanche. But he runs the greeters ministry. And he organizes the ushers for communion and for taking the mission's offering. Uh, another thing that he does, many Sunday mornings, maybe most Sunday mornings, he's here very early. Well, what's he doing in that time? He's not hanging around. He's doing whatever needs to be done. So if it's a fellowship lunch Sunday, he's making sure all the tables are there and we've got the, the um, I don't know what they call those sort of high chairs. There's some special name for that type, but he gets those all in the right places. I've seen him in, in October sweeping dead crickets out of the back hallway here. That's not a fun job. There's no glory in that. Nobody may have known he did that until I just told you, because I saw him one week, but that's the only way. But, you know, it's not just what he accomplishes. It's a spiritual fruit that God works in me. And I bring that up as an example because it impacts me. Because I see Carl, I'm instructed on the attitude of service. He hasn't said a word about it, but that's instructed me on what service looks like. It's impressed me about the importance of service. And it motivates me to apply that attitude of service to, to my own activities here at New Hope Chapel. I, I cannot, in a guilt-free manner, come up with any complaints about working the soundboard. I just can't because I think of Carl and his service, voluntarily doing those things. Now, I don't want to embarrass the Sardellas. <laughs> but, but, you know... Both Rick and Diane have the biggest heart for people and a love for encouraging them. At least that's what I've seen. Seeing them work that gift on me and on others is critical for me. And I'll tell you why. I don't know how many of you went to Bill's workshop on personality types. I'm an INTP. Okay, some people did. We're, we're those strange people that we can live lives up here in our head, our whole lives. Dealing with people, dealing with reality, is kind of an option for us. <laughs> it's not the default position. When we wake up in the morning, we're not in the real world. We're not seeing you people. We're just here in our heads, enjoying thinking about things. However, God uses their work to remind me about his compassion for all people and motivates me to continually engage other people, even though that's not my best, that's not my real comfort zone. 
because I know that's how the body gets impacted, person by person. I can't do it just by sitting back and thinking good things. Ephesians hammers this point home. He, Paul's describing the body. And here he, oh my, I lost the edge. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know how that happened. The, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, my brain is going like this right now. But I'll just read it. And uh, it's only missing a few words. But he's describing the body as this organism. And I love the way he phrases this. From him, that means Christ, the whole body joined together and held, joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's how the body grows. When each of us engages and does that work. So let's plan to use our gifts. Now, I've already told you, I'm an introvert, strong introvert. So I'm talking to you introverts out there. We've got to learn to dial it up a notch and stretch out toward people. To do that, though, we have to step out in faith and engage, knowing that's something that God wants, that's something God's going to give us strength to do. Extroverts aren't off the hook. I've been married to one for over 30 years. So it can be hard for extroverts to dial it down a notch and keep the focus on the other person and what their needs might be. But you have to step out in faith to be focused, and here's the bad word, patient, when you're working with people. God's doing a great work here at New Hope Chapel. At least I see some real neat evidences of it. It may be a lot of little things, but those little things are all, all seem like they're adding up to big things. And so the second thing that I would suggest that we think about in terms of playing this violin is pray for ourselves and each other. I'm not very creative with my titles, and that sounds pretty lame, but let me explain. Prayer's meant, really, to catapult us onto the frontier of the spiritual life. We are finite human beings. Yes, we have eternal life, but our brains are restricted. We're just finite people. And in prayer, we interact with a transcendent, infinite God. So it can't be done, you say. Well, that's kind of right. It's very difficult to pray. And it's always, the deeper you go, the bigger it is. It's where we touch the infinite. We know as the Bible commands, we use prayer in a lot of different ways. And that's how it's supposed to be. The Lord's Prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. Absolutely. That's what prayer is used for. It says uh, in Hebrews, to help us find grace to help in time of need. It says in, I think it's Philippians, whenever we're anxious about anything, prayer's the solution. Habakkuk, Job, 
and the author of Psalm 73 used prayer to wrestle with God about the problems of the suffering of the righteous and the prosperity of the wicked. Prayer is used for that. God, I don't understand. I'm frustrated. And we're also told to pray for the sick. Absolutely. That should drive us to our knees. But as I read Paul and the prayers he had for the four churches he's writing to, I'm struck by their particular tone because my prayers don't often hit this tone. Let me show you a couple. In, oh my, in Philippians 1, 9 to 11, Paul writes to the church at Philippi after the initial greetings. He said, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's what Paul prayed for the people in Philippi, the believers there. Let me show you another one. Colossians, beginning of the book of Colossians. He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that, and don't miss this one at the end, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Most of us have been Christians a long time. We know one thing you don't pray for is patience because then the sky opens up and you have problems galore. Because we're smart enough to say, oh yeah, I get this relationship. <laughs> That's how I get more patience. You know, Lord, I think I can get by with the amount of patience I have. Let's work on other things. But here's Paul praying for them that they might have great endurance and patience. Maybe one such a welcome letter to the church at Colossae. There are two others that, that appear if you're writing down the references. I have them up here uh, in the letters of Paul. There's four of these prayers that have that kind of tone to them. You know, I've not, as often as I should have, prayed in this way about my life, much less the lives of other people that I care about and love. Paul seemed to think this spiritual life is really important. I tend to pray mostly when my physical life gets involved or my emotional life gets involved unfortunately. Now, we use prayer for a lot of things. We are to pray when we're sick. We are to pray when we're anxious about anything. Lord, I'm really anxious about, I know it's nothing to you. It's hardly anything to me, but it bugs me and pray for that. That's good. But I need my prayers to include some of these things. I need to be looking at how prayer needs to be involved in God's work in my life. This is the kind of praying I'm talking about when I say we need to pray for ourselves and for others. 
Now, Richard Foster wrote about this kind of praying. He wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline, and then he wrote a book on prayer. I don't remember the exact title, uh, but he had this quote. To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. We pray when we're experiencing problems. At least I do this. I pray when I'm experiencing problems, and I'm sort of looking for a way to sort of get through this. Lord, help me, like, take, take the edge off this problem and let me, let me skirt by. When I'm sick, I feel so miserable, I'm just praying, Lord, help me feel better. But I think sometimes I need to make sure that I'm praying, and this is the, the challenge to me. Do I pray when I'm in the middle of problems? Do I pray to God and say, I want you to create great endurance and patience so that I can suffer with you through every bit of this thing. It's a gutsy prayer. I don't know that I've done that. Or when I'm sick. Pray that I would grow in our, our knowledge, my knowledge of God because of this illness. It's difficult to do. And you know, we, we're not going to do it perfectly. I mean, I've been sick where all you can think of is, please, just help me feel a little better so I can even think about you, you know? And uh, so, and God understands that. But he wants us not too soon, not too long after we get better to be thinking, okay, what's he working in my life through this illness that I just had? What can I learn from that? How can I understand him better? How can I learn about him more? What does this tell me about God's love? Difficult to do, but I think it may be biblical reading these passages. You know, there was a story that came out a number of years ago about a German man. See, we're losing everything. I'm sorry. I apologize. I don't know what went wrong. But a German man who won the lottery. And he refused the winnings. I don't know if you can read it there. He's 70 years old. He said he didn't know what to do with the money. Now that's news. But he apparently bought the lottery ticket because his late wife was very passionate about buying lottery tickets. And whether it's habitual or whether it sort of kept her memory alive, he kept buying lottery tickets. But he said to them, he said, well, my wife's dead. My, all my near relatives are dead. I don't know what to do with the money. And he, he refused to take it, gave it back. You know, we know what to do with our salvation. This great, great gift. We know what to do. We don't have that excuse. We are after big game, as has been said from the platform here. We need big prayers. We're working out this great salvation we've been given by the God of the universe, and he invites us to participate with him in the transformation of our own lives toward Christ-likeness, in the growth of the body by giving us this responsibility of a spiritual gift and the opportunity 
to help build that body. So I'm suggesting let's commit to include in our prayers some meaty spiritual goals as Paul did when we pray for ourselves and make it a point to pray for these things for others in the body. If we focus on using our spiritual gifts and asking God for big spiritual things, we will take the life in the body here at New Hope Chapel to another level. God will be free to work in our lives and we'll see trans lives transformed as a result. Thank you for listening to New Hope Chapel's podcast. Located in Arnold, Maryland, New Hope Chapel is a small expression of the much larger body of Christ that spans across the world. We're a group of believers helping each other on our lifelong journeys to become like Jesus. While we have a variety of distinctives that make us a unique church, our main desire is to be God's church, to love Him, follow Him, to learn from Him, to let Him lead us and change our lives. We are His disciples, and He is our rabbi. Join us in the story that God is writing called New Hope Chapel. To learn more about our church, visit us at newhopechapel.org or check us out on Facebook slash newhopechapelmd. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and iTunes. Music kindly provided by the least of these. Thanks again for listening and God bless.